Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Continuing our series, Finding True North, um, we started a couple weeks ago. We talked about the, good, the great commission that we see recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and about how we're supposed to go into all the world. And then we sort of continued in the same vein, the same idea. Last week, we celebrated five years. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. Um, but we continue with the same thing. We talked about, I don't know if anybody still has theirs. Hopefully you do. But hopefully you got maybe a red dot somewhere like the back of your phone or somewhere where you'll see it on the regular. But that's a reminder that you are what? You are here. There you go. Good job. And we need to be in the moment, need to live every moment for Jesus, looking for the opportunities he's given us. But uh, I want to tell you before we dive in today, I want to tell you about, I used to be a runner. Um, I I did some heavy duty running quite a few years ago. For a while before I got into long distance running, I ran a lot of 5k races. Uh, I went and tried it and it was a lot of fun. And I realized, hey, I get some cool t-shirts and I have, I have a couple of things I'm sort of addicted to. I don't know if any of you guys, um, I'll go ahead and throw my wife under the bus for this because she's got some and I don't want to look bad by myself, so I need somebody to join me. Um, but she's addicted to notebooks. She is addicted to notebooks. They might have one page written on, but she's got a billion of them, and so it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, she's addicted to bags, but I'm also addicted to some things too. I'm addicted to coffee mugs. I really, for some reason, you can only drink out of one at a time, but I, I like coffee mugs. Um, I'm also addicted uh, to, I just completely forgot what I'm addicted to. There's another thing. I forgot. Oh, t-shirt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know me better than I know me. So I'm addicted to t-shirts. And I was like, you get, you get t-shirts when you sign up for the race. And so you get the t-shirt. And a lot of times, sometimes they're pretty cool. And, you know, at, at times in my life, I was probably going around humble bragging, you know, yeah, I'm a runner, <laughs> you know, wearing my t-shirts. And I... Uh, one of the things that dawned on me is that you could go, you pay your money, you get your t-shirt. What would it look like if they, they do the starter's pistol to get everybody to take off running the 5K and you stood there at the start line and everybody else takes off running and you're like, all right, I'm going to go grab my t-shirt. Can I get my t-shirt now, please? And they're like, well, you haven't completed the race. Well, I paid for it. And so in theory, they basically got to give you the t-shirt, right? Because why? You pay for it. But does it make any sense to sign up to run a race but never, ever start to run? No. And, and it, can we make the, the jump here that sometimes spiritually we can sort of be like that as Christians? Like we signed up and we sort of paid a price maybe. And, you know, the, pi- the price has been paid for us, absolutely. And so we kind of get the attitude of, well, I've got my T-shirt. I don't really run, but I got my T-shirt. You know, um, it would be easy. You know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, we celebrated five years, right? When you are younger in your birthdays, everybody's just really appreciative of the fact that you're alive, right? And then, yeah, you hit a certain age where nobody, everybody's like, big whoop, you're alive, okay? You've, you've been doing this for 40 years or whatever, big whoop. Nobody's really excited about your birthday anymore. But then you hit another age later in life and everybody's like, wow, good job, you're still alive, Yeah. <laughs> It, I mean, you know what I'm saying? At the beginning, at the end, people are like, good job breathing. You know, I mean, excellent, excellent. And the thing I'm trying to get you to think about is this, in that same vein of running or signing up for a race and getting a shirt but never actually running, at some point we got to realize we can't just celebrate birthdays if we're not really living. 
And I want us to think as a church family is like we need to celebrate. We need to look back on what God's done. But we also need to remember that we don't just get cookies just for living, right? We've got to be living in the moment for Jesus. And so that's why I want us to look at what we're looking at this morning. And we're talking about going a couple of weeks ago and being in the moment kind of last week and, and dropping things at the cross and seeing what God's going to do through us. But if we really want to keep moving, and that's what our church is all about. It's in the name, right? Movement. Because we believe that spiritually, there's really no time for just standing still, like, you know, not moving forward. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards spiritually. And we want people to go and move with God, keep moving closer to God and help others do the same. But the question is this, how do you move? How do you go? It's one thing to throw out spiritual platitudes, but how do we live it out? How do we actually live it out? And here's one of the things that's dawned on me. It's taken me a long time. I'm, I'm a little slow in the uptake sometimes. And all God's people said, amen. Um, but what, hey, easy, easy. You had a 10-second window or a one-second window and you went past it. Um, what you do is not as important as how you do it. Now, that can be true, but it could be false. But here's what I want you to think about this context. I think this context is very true. You go with love. That's what we're saying. What, we get caught up in trying to figure out the perfect way. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if you guys can remember, we talked about which method of evangelism is the best. It's the one that you try. It's the one that you try. And the same thing as going and, and living your life for Jesus, moving closer to him. Just go. Here's the thing that I've come to understand from looking at scripture and looking at my life when I did go and when I didn't. I've learned a lot of lessons. Is when you step out of the boat, that's when God shows up. You know, when you're sitting there comfortable and protected and in the safety of the boat, very seldom do you see the power of God. But it's when you step out of the boat on the water where the waves are rough and it's scary and it's deep and you don't know how you're going to stand, that's when God shows up. It's very simple to understand the truth. When it comes to following Jesus, you can't walk on water if you never get out of the boat. Now, okay, hold up. Some of you are probably arguing because, you know, I know how we all are. You're probably in your mind and you're saying, yeah, but we've got to be wise. We've got to really, you know, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. Absolutely. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says this. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely among people who aren't believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And so Paul, he, uh, he tells us right there very clearly. He says, yes, you need to be wise in how you treat and act amongst other people. You don't need to just go and not think about what you're doing. But instead of sitting here never going, what should we do? Go. We need to go. But we need to do it with wisdom. And, and we need to understand this. So, yes, we use wisdom. We grow in wisdom. But everybody listen in real quick. Don't spend so much time worrying about how you're going to go that you never go. You ever been guilty of that? I know I have. I'm not preaching to the you know people who you know I'm I'm with you on this. I've been many times that I've just been sitting there thinking, how should I go? How should I go? That I don't even go. And you know I didn't create this phrase, but it's been used many times. We can suffer from paralysis of analysis. 
You know, it's like we get frozen because we're trying to figure out how am I going to go and follow Jesus the best way possible so much that we never, ever move. We're frozen. We're stuck in place. But one of the things that I've learned from Scripture as well is this. Yes, we use wisdom, but love is a corrector of wrongs. You know that? Love is a corrector of wrongs. If your motives are pure, now that's important, right? That's important. If your motives are pure, then love can actually work things out in the long run. You might screw up royally. You might make a lot of mistakes. But I'd rather be somebody who goes and tries to move people closer to God, tries to move closer to God himself and mess up than somebody who never, ever gets out of the boat, never, ever moves and never does anything. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So love will cover over a lot of mistakes. It will cover a lot of sins in the way that you love other people, but also in your own. When you goof up, when you mess up, love can cover a lot. If your motives are pure, God is going to work things out in the long run. I believe that with all my heart. And here's the important thing you've got to realize. When you're trying to figure out how to go, it, it's okay to acknowledge everybody has different gifts, right? If you're a Christian, if you've been baptized into Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit, and you have a spiritual gift. Many of you probably have more than one. And, and everyone has a gift given to them by the Spirit, and it's up to you to try to find how, what is your gift and how to use it and understand that truth that we all have different gifts and we all have different personalities. Everybody's not the same. Praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. Everybody's different. So let God use you how he made you to go with love. You know, it's, it's easier than uh, just sitting there and doing nothing to let God use you and let him show you what he wants to do in you. But love has to be the driving force. You, you getting the point I'm trying to make here? Because we don't want to go to either of those extremes. We don't want to sit there and say, okay, I'm not going to go because I don't know how to go. He says go. But go with love. Just don't go. And, you know, you know, I've shared it before, and some of you guys have seen them. You know, the different uh, the people out preaching in public. Now, I believe there may be a time and place for that. But uh, the tone that I've seen of a lot of people that are out standing on a street corner. I saw it two or three years ago when we went to the state fair. Um, they had, like, a bullhorn, and they were up there, and they were just on a big box. And they were like, everybody! You're going to hell. I mean, that was sort of the attitude. They, they said as much. And while that may have been true, a lot of the people might be on the road to hell. You don't have to act like you're happy about it. You know, and there's a difference between seeing somebody on the road to hell and warning them and seeing somebody on the road to hell and acting like you're sort of excited about it. You know, it's all about your heart posture. And I would say that most people, they, they may have reached somebody. I don't know. I don't want to be that judgmental. They may have reached somebody, but there might be a better option of walking around and looking for opportunities to talk to individuals because you never know who God will lead you to, who, who you might be there for, and you might there, be there at the right time to share the love of Jesus. But the important thing to do is go and go with what? Love, it has to be the driving force. And I'd be remiss if I didn't make sure we're all on the same page when we're talking about love. Because love is misunderstood. Love, a lot of times we think of, and I say this a lot, so bear with me if you heard it, but I know I need to hear it a lot, and maybe you do too. Love is not an emotion. As Steve always says, love is what? 
It's not the superlative of like. You know, you don't just like them a lot. That's not what love is. It's not an emotion. Love is a decision. It's a decision we make to think and do the best for other people, to sacrifice for other people so that they can have something better in this world. That's really what love is. Emotions are a byproduct when we make the decision. Now, we can have infatuation that's really emotional and all that sort of stuff, but that kind of stuff ebbs and flows, right? It comes and goes. And so when we love people, we make the decision to love people. It's an action. It's a decision. Love won't let you ignore people's plights, what they're going through. It won't let you ignore it. So wherever you're going in your everyday life, go with love. But the question is, how do we avoid this paralysis of analysis? How do you actually get out of bed, so to speak? How do you get off the couch? How do you get off of the row, the chair, and actually go rather than being stuck and just always thinking, well, that, uh, that won't work. Uh, nah, that won't work. That, uh, nope, that won't work. How do you actually just go and try to love people well? I think this is the key, the, the starter. Be intentional and go slow. Be intentional and go slow. Here's why I say this. Our world is nothing but fast-paced. Am I right? I mean, technology changes by the moment, and there's always go, 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 go. And what, do ev- what does everybody, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, you know, I'm busy, though. Busy. Isn't that what almost everybody says? I'm busy. I'm busy. And we, yes, we are, but we choose to be busy. And sometimes we say, well, it's out of my control. Meh. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. There are some things you cannot control, but there are other things you can control. And busyness keeps us going, 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 never focusing on anybody or anything for more than just a second. And our culture is sending messages. I mean, we've got something to remind us all the time. Notifications all the time to not focus and be slow and be intentional in the moment. Uh, as, we, as I mentioned a second ago, a couple years ago, went to the fair. We went to the fair uh, last week. And I am one of the people, I don't, there's different people. Some people go for the food. Some people go to watch the people. And that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I will tell you this. In, in case you didn't make it or you were just wondering, I went on a Wednesday a week ago or something like that. Um, and the uh, MPM was about 43.2. You, know, you don't know what the MPM is? Mullets per minute, 43.2. It was pretty high that day. It was really high. Mullets per minute. In the crowd, the workers, it was pretty amazing. There were some glorious mullets. And it's for the mullet watcher, that's a good place to go to the North Carolina State Fair. But here's the thing. I like to go. I, I eat the food a little bit, but the food's really expensive, so I don't eat a whole lot. I've got 27 children, so it gets really pricey. But I like the rides. I, I like the rides. And, I, yeah, I don't care. You've got to go with something, right? Why not go at the fair? You know, you get up to heaven because the fair ride, like, slung you off into outer space. And the Lord's like, you big dummy. You know, I, I was ready for you, but not quite yet. <laughs> you know? But no, I'm like, I'll ride it. I'll, ride, I'll go to Bush Gardens and ride. I'll ride at the fair. And, you know, one of the things you know about the fair rides is the better the ride, the more face tattoos the guy running the ride has. So it's like, if you were wanting to know, should I ride this one? Got a lot of face tattoos? Do it. All right. But... You get on these rides, and a lot of them, you know, of course, they, you know, they swing you around, around, around in different degrees and all that sort of stuff, you know, maybe raise you up and down. 
And like, if there's people in your family or your, your traveling group that are out watching you, you know, sometimes they'll try to communicate with you or they're trying to get a picture of you and you're going around, you know, hundred miles an hour in a circle, you can't focus on them, can you? Cause you're just like, Hey, 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 you know? But that's the way our lives are a lot of times, right? We're just going so fast. We're just in this, we're in a hurry. We're busy and we're just, and we can never focus and see what's going on. You know, maybe they're trying to communicate with us. Maybe they're saying, there's a bolt that's missing. You know, (laughs) it's a fair ride. It's possible. And, you know, maybe they're trying to communicate with us, but you can't focus, can you? Why? Because you're going too fast. So we've got to be slow. We've got to be intentional. When we're racing through our lives and our agenda, we don't see anything or anyone very clearly, do we? So if you slow down and you get intentional, you can really love people well. And here's what it looks like. The first thing is this. Love sees people. Love sees people. And it's easy to dismiss this and be like, oh, thanks a lot there, you know, Socrates. You got a really deep point there. But how many times do you go through life and you don't truly see people? Love sees people. How often do you just miss people that not realize that they're right there around you? Matthew 9 verse 36 says this, beginning there. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. But the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus was continually surrounded by people. And they were continually begging and asking for things and wanting him to heal them and and, and all sorts of things. Wanting food and wanting his time, wanting his attention. But it says instead of just glazing over like I can have a tendency to do, he saw them. He had compassion on them. It says that he saw that they were helpless and hopeless and they needed a shepherd. He had compassion when they could have been a frustration. Let's be honest. If people are continually around you, bugging you, asking you for stuff, it can be frustrating, right? You don't know the level of frustration that Jesus could have been experiencing. None of us can relate to it. He experienced people being on him and wanting from him more than any of us can ever understand, but yet he still had compassion on them. And the beautiful thing is, is that he didn't just see crowds where he said, oh, yeah, they're all a mess. He sees individuals, too. He saw individuals. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And you skip down to verse 10. It says, Jesus replied to this woman after a little bit of conversation about water. He said, if you only knew the gift of God or gift, excuse me, knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You know, you may have been familiar with this story, the the story of the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman where Jesus goes and she's going to get water at noon because everybody else is going to make fun of her because she's made a lot of bad life choices. And she's had man after man after man. And the guy she was with at this time was not even her husband. And, you know, you know, she went to avoid people because she was tired of the stare. She was tired of the gossip. And Jesus knew she was going to be there. I, I believe that with all my heart. 
He let the disciples go into town and he stopped there and it says he was tired. Yes, there was actually reasons. He was weary. He was thirsty. And he knew, though, there was an appointment with her. He saw her when everybody else just saw her as a sin. Did you hear that? He saw her when everybody else just saw her as a sin. You know, they looked at her and they thought, adulteress. That's what they thought. And while Jesus challenges her on what she's doing, he didn't ignore her sin. He saw her because he stopped and he slowed down and he got quiet and he got away from everything else. He even sent his good friends with good intentions away. And so he could see her and be in the moment. He knew what she really needed because he could see her. So who's unseen in your day-to-day life? Chances are you don't know because maybe you haven't slowed down. But I want you to think about that. Who is unseen in your day-to-day life? Who needs a moment of your time? And it's going to take slowing down. And slowing down is uncomfortable because what? We're all like the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, right? We've got to go. We've got to go. Run late. We're busy. We're busy. We're busy, right? But it takes energy and effort to slow down and prioritize things. But who needs a moment of your time? Who simply needs acknowledgement? Uh, I got invited to go along with uh, Billy and Emrys. We went on a bike ride on the uh, Noose River Trail uh, this past week. We went riding and we were talking about that, about how a lot of times people just get missed. And, you know, you've all heard the stories about people who were going out to take their own life at times. And they'd said things like, if one person just says hello or smiles, I won't do it. You know, we've heard testimonies like that. And, and, and so, you know, Billy was being really good about, you know, about just speaking to every single person. You know, we were waving. We were smiling. Hey, how you doing? We were trying to do that. And, and it's just a reminder that you never know what people are going through, right? The simplest act of just smiling, nodding your head, waving your hand, saying hello can mean so much. Who needs acknowledgement in your life? A, a preacher that I really look up to told me years and years and years ago, something really stuck in my head because we were getting ready to go and visit people in the hospital. And then it was one of my first experiences being with someone who lost a loved one. And I was just nervous about what to say because, I mean, who knows what to say when somebody's standing there grieving over the loss of a loved one. And he said, ministry of presence ministry of presence the ministry of just being present when somebody's hurting is so powerful they oftentimes won't even remember the great eloquent words you thought up but they'll remember that you were present be present and around who needs your acknowledgement who needs some of your time and here's the thing i love is that anybody can be present right you may say, I don't have the gifts of this person. I don't have the eloquence of that person. I, you know, I'm socially awkward. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But you can be present. Everybody watch. One, two, three. Good job. You're present. You're there. You're present. That's all you got to do. Just be there. Take time to love people by seeing them. Love serves people. That's the other idea. Love serves people. Love sees people and love serves people. And the person who had the most excuse not to serve always did. Jesus, all right? Remember who Jesus is? He is God. He could have just done anything. He, he didn't even have to uh, demand people serve him. He could have just created whatever he wanted. He's thirsty, boom, something to drink. 
He could have had Coke before it was Coke's time to be invented. And he's like, all right, big, I'm going to have a big gulp. Everybody's like, what is that? You know, it's plastic too on top of the cup. You know, it's like, I mean, he could have done anything. He is God. And I'm being silly, but it's, it's true, right? But he yet chose to humble himself and come and be a servant to people, listen to this, who did not deserve it. And why I say that? Because what is a lot of times most of our excuses for not serving certain people? They don't really deserve it. But Jesus could have said that about every single person that takes a breath or will take or has taken a breath on this earth. And yet, what did he do? He served. And so we need to understand when we love people, we serve people. In John chapter 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything. This is important. And that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water in a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. What we call the Last Supper, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, it said, did you catch that first part? It says, he knew who he was. That's my paraphrase. He knew he was God. He knew he was returning to the Father. He had come from the Father. He knew exactly who he was. And so what did that do? It freed him up to serve. What's another reason we oftentimes won't serve people? Because we think we're what? Too good. I, you know, I'm not going to make myself look bad. I'm not going to lower myself and do that for somebody else. How dare they think? No, Jesus was above all and is above all. He could have just, with the breath of his mouth, boom, leveled everybody. But he chose to serve because he knew who he was. I will guarantee you this, and this might be bold, and this might sound rude, this might sound brash, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. If you have the attitude that you're too good to serve, you need to shut up and buckle up. Because life is going to be hard. Because you will be humbled one day, sooner or later. And I hope and pray that it's not the end when you're humbled. We need to understand that Jesus had every right to only be served and to destroy us. But he came and, and did something so intimate as wash the feet of his disciples amongst thousands, if not millions of other things. But ultimately the cross... He served us through the cross, but he got down. And whose feet did he wash? Not just John, who he loved so much he entrusted the care of his mother to. But also Judas, who he knew that very night he would betray him. And then Peter who he knew that very night would deny him. He washed their feet too. He let them eat at the table and acted like they were just like everybody else because the truth was that not a single person around that table deserved to have their feet washed. Not a single person in this room, in this world, deserves to have their body cleansed by the, by the word and by the redemption that only get, comes through Jesus. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve to be served, but we still serve because Jesus did, and that's how we show love. So what if they're unworthy and unappreciative? It doesn't matter. Serve them anyway. 
The greatest roadblock to serving isn't time, it's pride. Everybody hear that? If somebody wants you to serve in some way or you see a need that needs to be met to serve and you say, oh, I don't have time, eh, wrong answer. You have time what you care about for. You have time for what you care about. And this is how Jesus could serve even those who would betray him or deny him because he was secure in his identity and it didn't matter what anybody else thought of him. He could serve because he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. And you and I can have that same confidence. And so we ask ourselves, what do we value more? You know, if we value uh, other people more, that's when we'll be able to serve. If we value ourselves more, then yes, we'll never have time to serve. We'll never have the energy to serve. We'll never have the desire to serve. But if we value other people more, we can love people well by serving others. And then the last, the third idea is this. Love searches for people. Love sees, love serves, and love searches for people. And when the Pharisees complained that Jesus was eating with sinners, he told a story in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 3. He said, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus tells this story about going after the one, and that one can seem insignificant until it's you. And then he tells a story about a lost coin, you know, about, about the woman who lost uh, one of her ten coins. And so she stops everything and sweeps the whole house and cleans it all up looking. And when she finds it, she rejoices and throws a party because that one was worth it. And then he closes that section talking about the lost son, right? The prodigal son and how the father is looking for the son far off in the distance. He is searching with everything he's got waiting for him to come home and I'll tell you this, I, I'm not going to deny it. Searching for lost people can be time-consuming. Searching for lost people can be tedious, frustrating work. It can be so difficult. But know this, somebody searched for you. Probably many people search for you. And the payout is worth it. Because when you find them, Heaven parties, y'all. Heaven parties when we find that one, that one, that one, that one. So how do you search for people? First you see them. Then you serve them. You pray for them. And I will tell you this. Listen to the Spirit of God. You get ready to move. And when God gives you the opportunity, you move. I believe that's how you do it. You love people. You see them. You serve them. You pray for them. And you look for the opportunity. Listen to the Spirit of God as you read God's Word. Listen for the opportunities. God gives you the opportunity. You meet their needs. You carry them if needed. But who are you searching for? We talked about a couple weeks ago about your one. Your one person you really want to see come to Jesus. And then your one opportunity every day just to share the love and the light of Jesus with someone. Who are you searching for? Because when you love, you search. Church, I've got to be honest. We are commanded to go, aren't we? We're commanded to go. 
We're commanded to go with love. And while it seems daunting, you know, our, our big vision that we talk about is we keep moving you know, closer to God until the neighborhood knows Jesus. That neighborhood is the entire world. It starts right here, but it expands to the entire world. And that's a big goal. And it can seem daunting. It can seem impossible. But we do it one soul at a time, one life at a time until the neighborhood knows Jesus. The story's been told many times over about there was an old man who was walking on the beach one day. And a big storm had passed, and on this vast beach that he was walking on, there were thousands, hundreds of thousands even, of starfish that had been washed up by the storm and left on dry land and could not make it back into the water of these starfish. In both directions, he saw him. And then as he walked a little farther on, he saw somebody walking towards him. And as they got closer, he realized it was a little boy. And every now and then, the little boy would stop and he would throw something in the water. And he was really curious. And so as he got closer to the boy within talking distance, he said, look, son, what are you doing? And the little boy paused, looked up, and he said, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide washed them up on the beach from the storm, and they can't get back to the ocean by themselves. And if, once the sun gets high enough, they'll die. So I'm tossing them back in. And the old man said, but look, boy, he said, there's tens of thousands maybe on this beach, and I'm afraid you won't really be able to make much of a difference. And the boy bent down and picked up another starfish and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. And he turned and smiled and said, made a difference to that one. You see, we can get so caught up in trying to make a big impact and doing something so grandiose that we think we have to go and change the world in one moment when the reality is one moment can change one person's world. One moment can change one person's world. And how dare we say that that one person isn't worth it? One moment can change one person's world. So don't get uh, caught up in trying to impact thousands that you don't impact one. Make sure you focus one at a time and the, the thousands will begin to add up as we each do our part trying to reach one. So the important thing to do is rather than worry about how to go or what to do in just the right perfect way is go with love. Go and see people. Go and serve people. Go and search for people. But go and try to reach at least one. And when you reach that one, heaven parties, right? Heaven celebrates and then go and try to reach another one, and then try to reach another one. And if we all get involved, we won't just be existing where people are just like, good job being alive. We'll be thriving for the name of Jesus. So today, what's your decision? Do we come and we sit here and then leave the same way we came in? Or do we move just a little bit closer to God? Because every single one of us has another step or two, or a hundred that we need to take, right? Don't leave here today the same as when you came in. If your next step is you need to give your life to Jesus because heaven needs to party over you, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready to celebrate. 
You need to come. We'll be, I'll be off to the side and we'll talk. You can stay after, we'll talk, whatever, but let's get that done. But maybe for those of us, if you've already done that, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've been baptized into Christ and you've got the Holy Spirit, then maybe today is the time to say, look, I, I haven't been doing that well and trying to reach at least one person. Maybe today is the day I really start going with love. Or maybe you've been going. Praise God for that. Bring somebody else along and show them how to do it. But let's go. Let's go with love. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.